Hey there, In The Hunt listeners. This is Gareth McShay bringing you another In The Hunt podcast. I'm delighted to uh, have another episode of Brain Juice for you this evening. And I'm also delighted to be joined once again by Brendan McCarthy. And Brendan and I are going to have a conversation around some very interesting topics, which I will revisit in a moment. Before I do so, good evening, Brendan. And how are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's Excellent. the only way you should be doing. Uh, and I think it's a, that's an interesting way to introduce myself because uh, it's about gaining control over your feelings because your feelings have such an impact on your life and on your performance in sport as well. No doubt about it. Uh, before we go on a deep dive into some, as I say, fascinating topics, have you been anywhere exotic recently, Brendan? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then I just thought I recognized somebody who looks like you in my Rakesh. Uh, a week or so ago. Okay, folks, we're going to cover three key topics in the upcoming episodes. We're not sure how many episodes that's going to be because these are topics that we're very passionate about, that we've helped people in our different professions in, in many different guises, assist them getting to better performances and accessing those performances more regularly through training and at will. And, and so the, the topics we're going to cover will be beginning with in the zone. So we hear an awful lot in sports commentary that athlete was in the zone. You know, in your experiences, Brennan, what, what does that mean to you? Because I think it differs person by person, right? I think it does. But certainly when somebody is in the zone, you can see it in their body language and the way they hold themselves. Um, I think to me, one of the classic guys of all was probably Philip Mickelson or Phil Mickelson. Uh, when he was on the back nine in particular and going well, he continually smiled like a Cheshire cat. And it was very easy to see in his eyes that uh, he was in there and there was no coming out. And that significantly impacted on his performance. But I think everybody responds differently to it. For me, um, I know when I'm in the zone um, because I have more time. I concentrate more. I focus more. Things seem brighter and easier and less energy is required. And that's regardless of whether it's in the zone, in studying, in uh, performing in sport, in doing a podcast, in doing a presentation to a large group of people. It doesn't matter that uh, there are certain feelings that people have when they are in the zone. And part of what we're going to do today is to focus a little bit more on these and understand what they are for ourselves. So we're going to take you through experiences today to help you to become more aware and identify what being in the zone is for you. I think that's key. You know, you've mentioned Phil Mickelson. The, the, the two guys that have been stand out for me in the last 20 years, Harrington uh, on the back down of those majors, particularly when he won, his eyes were, were just fascinating to see how the intensity and the stare in his eyes, and he, he was really in a different place. And then, you know, Phil is walking around smiling and Cheshire Cat and then Tiger looking so stoic and not really displaying much emotion. You can be sure he was, he was experiencing plenty of emotions, um, but he was really trying not to give too many gives to the, to the other players around him. I know for me in the zone, you know, you spoke interestingly about and more time and, and difference in color and brightness and all those things. And, and I always felt that um, I was in control, but I wasn't in conscious control. It always felt like the performances were showing up and it was almost almost as if I was a, a, a viewer from the sideline versus being actually involved in the action itself. And, and you hear so many different descriptions from many different players. I know um, 
People also talk about flow states. There's a great book by Mile Csikszentmihalyi. So I would recommend you pick up a copy of that, folks, is this, if this is something you're interested in. And if you are interested in enhancing your performances, regardless of what level you're currently performing at, and indeed, regardless of the endeavor you're, you're performing, it could be uh, other sporting elements, it could be study, it could be in, in your profession, then these are areas that we need to look at and, and need to complement all our other physical or other activities that we're doing in the background. Um, the next thing we're going to, second topic we're going to get to at some stage will be um, talking about belief systems and how beliefs can have extremely uh, detrimental or positive effects on our performances and indeed how we believe we can perform. And I'm sure you've seen this, Brendan, again, throughout your profession and indeed for yourself. Well, I would probably expand a little bit and say this is about our thinking and the quality of our thinking and what our thinking produces. Um, all of our beliefs, all of our thinking operates in the present tense, regardless of when we formed the views. Some of our thinking and some of our beliefs help us to perform better, while there are other aspects of it that can have a detrimental effect. What we need to do here is to become more aware of the thinking that's going on in the conscious mind, but also the thinking that goes on in the back of our minds and be able to find the stuff that's helping us and enhance that and find the stuff that is limiting us and reduce the impact that has. So that will be something that we should feature on in the, the second of this series of sessions. Yeah, and, and one interesting point on that, a lot of our beliefs or our thinking patterns for want of better terminology, they are often formed before we would have been you know, conscious of them being there and sometimes they're operating in the background and we're not conscious of them, but I've had people come to me and talk to me about golf and say, you know, I'm, I'm really not good at sport, Garth. I'm actually terrible at sport. And I'll say, well, how do you know that? And they'll say, oh, a teacher told me when I was eight or nine years of age, you've no coordination, you'll never be any good at sport. And they've held that belief with them for the next 30, 40, 50 years thereafter. So um, I do think this is an important topic where we help people challenge certain beliefs, enhance certain beliefs, and just overall give them a better experience. And the other element then we will get to eventually, folks, we have no idea of a timeline here, and that will be dealing with interference or noise. Okay, Noise is obviously anything that would take you out of the zone when you're performing, anything that prevents you from accessing your resources when you perform. So it is normal and natural to have a certain amount of noise in the system, but we want to be able to re-engage and get back into the zone at will thereafter. And you have seen this often yourself, I'm sure. Well, I think uh, the big issue about interference is it stops us from being in the zone. It might be something that happened. You might have had a bit of good fortune, a bit of bad fortune, and it causes you to think about certain things uh, or distract it. Or you may find that a little voice comes into your head and starts saying things to you. And if that's going on, you can't be in the zone. So part of what we're going to do in that final session is to help people to become more aware of these sort of distractions and limit the impact. Ideally, you want to prevent it from happening, but if it does happen, you want to limit the impact and get back into the zone to where you can perform at your best quicker. Yeah. Okay, great. So as I say, this is the first episode of us talking about being in the zone, flow states, etc. Um, and one of the things that's interesting in golf, Brad, before we, we assist people in accessing the zone themselves is we spend four hours, please don't take any longer than that on the golf course, people. Uh, so we spend roughly four hours on the golf course. You are executing golf shots for 
I would say approximately seven to 10 minutes of those four hours. You have a huge amount of time when you are not playing golf, yet you are on the golf course. And so I think it's critical that people have this ability to uh, enter the zone or access the zone at will, exit it also at will, which is a bit that maybe isn't spoken about much, and then re-enter as desired over the course of a round of golf. Uh, have you found that? Yeah, I think it's impossible to be in this heightened state for a long period of time. And if you try and do it, you're leaving yourself more open to distractions and interference. And uh, that's the problem. What we want to do is to be able to, by choice, at will, when we want to, get into the zone, exercise the shot, and then exit it and have a conversation with the caddy or somebody else as we're walking down the fairway. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they, they, go on, sorry. I'm just going to give it one little bit of background here because this is important as well. And that is uh, about uh, how do you get into the zone and how do you get into the zone at, at will. And uh, we're going to take you through a few experiences to try and bring you, the listener, into the zone so you can actually experience what we're talking about here. But this um, idea of identifying triggers that can bring people into the zone at will. So in other words, you have an external event that causes an internal state. This was first discovered in 1955 by Pavlov and his famous dog, the world famous Pavlov's dog uh, was created. And what they did here was they gave the dog a piece of steak and each time they gave it a piece of steak, they rang a bell. So there was a strong connection being made between this piece of steak and the bell. And each time it happened, the dog would produce saliva. Then after a period of time, when they stopped giving the dog the steak, but rang the bell, they noticed that the effect still happened, that the dog produced saliva. And this was the first time that people saw that you can actually train yourself to fire a trigger that will impact on the internal state that you experience. And I think from every aspect of life, we know that the state you're in determines your performance. And when we're talking about golf, and I'm going to pass this one back to Gareth now for a second, we know that there's an awful lot of people there with similar uh, technical ability. But what differentiates them is their ability to get into that zone, to get into that level of deep concentration and to get into a state that allows them more consistently to play to their best, particularly when it comes to the last nine on the final day. Yes, um, just uh, just to revisit what you were mentioning there about Pavlov and people go, oh, I've never experienced anything like that. You know, there, there are lots of triggers that we react to on a daily basis. For example, if I put on my gym gear, well, then I'm triggered. I know now that external trigger of getting into my gym gear internally tells me it's time to get up to do a workout. It's time to get myself mentally and physically ready to do a workout. And so we do experience external triggers across all aspects of our life. We're probably just not consciously doing so, but they will certainly be there. Um, I think it's fascinating when we watch players of very similar skill sets, and they will be if they're competing at the most elite levels. And some seem to step into the heat of the battle, particularly, as you say, the back down in a major, we're, we're close to watching that in a few days' time, the uh, Masters, and we're going to see some players seem to maybe deepen and get even better in, in terms of being in the zone and therefore the performances they produce. 
And then we see other players who don't seem as comfortable under that duress and they seem to start to become a little bit distracted. The interference or noise that we will eventually get to in this series, that's um, affecting them. The external triggers are affecting the, uh, the internal perception of their capabilities and abilities and therefore they tend to wilt or, or certainly not produce their best under the heat. And we all admire the athlete who tends to get better under duress. We tend to say that that person either male, female, whatever they're competing in. We just have admiration for that ability to get it done when things are at their most difficult. So, yeah, it's it's like you won't lose your physical skills inside three holes in a golf course. That's not going to happen. If you have a swing that has been established and grooved over many, many years of training, it's not a case that you can suddenly have a physical breakdown in your technical skill. The motor program still exists. It's your ability to access it or perhaps your ability to let it perform in the background without you trying to exert conscious control. And I think that's where we want people to be able to get into the zone and to be able to recognize when they're being pulled out of the zone so they can get back into it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And it'll be interesting when you look at the masters, you'll actually, if you pay attention, notice when people are getting into the zone and when they're coming out of the zone. And each time you will probably see for individual players, there is a specific trigger that gets them into it. This might be the start of the pre-shot routine, or it might be when they take their glove off, off after playing a shot. But you will start to notice very clearly that some of the top players have created triggers that they use by design. They don't leave it to chance and hope they get into the zone or hope they play well and that gets them it. They get into the zone in order to play well, which I think is critical. But if you start watching this more closely, you will notice that professionals, many of them have um, psychologists uh, helping them, specific coaches for this. And they're helping them by design to become more aware and to be able to exercise uh, the particular states that they need to get into uh, in order to perform at their best and increase the probability of playing more shots. So I think without much more ado, we should actually get people to experience some of this. And um, it's interesting that if I was to ask each of you now who are listening to actually go back to a time when you remembered you were really playing well and you were in the zone. And specifically, think about some of the shots that you played on that day. If you just take a moment to kind of reflect back to some of your best occasions. I'm just going to jump in here momentarily and say, folks, if you're doing anything that requires keeping your eyes open, or if you're operating machinery or driving a car, please wait until you get home before you attempt these processes. They would be best executed, I'm going to say, with eyes closed, maybe rather than you know feet on the ground. And just a place where you can be quiet for a few minutes so you can really take benefit of, of what we're about to walk you through. Okay, so as you go into some of the specifics and the detail around this particular occasion, and I want you to pick one particular occasion when you knew that you were playing well, when you knew you were in the zone and you're at the peak. And as you think about this, I want you to pay attention to what you're feeling inside your body. 
because very often what's associated with being in the zone can be a tingling type sensation that you feel within your body. It's whether it's nervous excitement or energy or whatever it might be. But this particular sensation that you feel within your body, and as you're thinking about specific shots, you should feel some of what you felt at the time. Because just relating to it from a memory perspective will reintroduce the sensations and feelings associated with being in the zone and being in this particular state. One of the critical ones that I find is the tingling sensation. You'll notice it starts in a certain part of your body and then moves. Now, whether that moves from, let's say, your stomach upwards to your chest and out to your arms and head, or whether it's moving in a different direction is not important. What is important is I want you to pay attention to where it starts and what direction it moves for you. And as you do so, increase the rate at which it is moving. Get it to flow a little bit quicker and notice how you feel when you do that. Increase the speed even more and notice how that feels. Now, if you are doing this, you should be able to relate to some of those sensations that you felt at that time. Now, I'm going to stop that now and say to you, just to show you how effective this can be, imagine the flow is in the opposite direction. So whatever way you felt this tingling sensation in your body, get it to move in the opposite direction and get it spinning around in that opposite direction. Do you notice how you feel when this happens? And what should be very apparent is that the sensations you're feeling are fundamentally different from what they were before. Do you want to talk about maybe triggers as people are experiencing this? Yes, so continuing along this vein, and as uh, Brendan suggested, if we watch the Masters closely, we will start to see some pattern behavior with regards to players preparing to, to hit shots, and they'll, they'll have a, an entry area that, so that they'll have a trigger that tells them when it's time to get back into the zone, the deep zone, because at, at that level, they won't ever completely exit the zone, but they can't stay at maximum intensity for five hours. So we're watching for the player maybe to um, step within a certain distance of the ball. Oftentimes that player will imagine maybe a line on the ground 10 yards before the golf ball. And so when they cross the line, that's their trigger in their mind. They'll have a color attached to that line, which is unique to them. And when they step across that color line, that's a trigger that tells them, now is the time for me to go back into intense focus for the next minute and a half to two minutes as I execute this golf shot. Other players, perhaps, we would see them use a trigger of pulling the glove on, and as they close the glove, they almost say to themselves, ready. So that tells them, this is it. I'm accessing my, my zone state. Um, other players, it's when they engage with their caddy or maybe pull a club out of the golf bag. They are, they're, they're using that to get yeah. them ready. I, I think that can all happen. But um, you see, the problem with some of those triggers, and that's why uh, I think you need to find a trigger that is unique to getting into the zone, because they're the sort of things that you do all the time when you're in the zone and not in the zone. 
And I think if you're going to get a trigger that really works here, you need to develop something that is unique and particular to this. I like it to be a physical one where I do something like I might squeeze uh, my thumb with my second finger. And when I'm feeling I'm in the zone, I do that squeezing and I feel I'm, and I'm making the connection between this unusual movement because I would never put those two fingers together in any other context. So I'm developing something that is unique and I'm firing this every time I experience being in the zone. Now, can I take you back to the time when you yourself were in the zone? And when you go back in and you remember that and you think about the sensation, now you need to think about other aspects as well. Like what was your body language like? What way did you walk? What thoughts did you have in your head? How did you see things? What type of thinking you had? But when you're in the zone, I want you to hold those two fingers together. So you're creating something that is unique and connected with being in the zone and squeeze those together. Now, the great thing about this is that every time you do this in your imagination, you are creating a direct link between that trigger and being in the zone. And the more you do this, the stronger it gets. So an important aspect here is that you don't have to wait until you get into the zone in practice on a golf course. You can actually do it in your imagination. And you're guaranteed to be able to do it if you refer back to times when you were in the zone. And the great thing about this is that you can do it again and again whenever you like. I would suggest, particularly initially, that what you should be doing is going back at least once a day to a time when you were very focused and in the zone and firing this trigger and holding the trigger for a duration so that you're making that stronger connection. What you will find then in after practicing this at some point in the future, that when you make that specific unique movement, and that's why I think it needs to be a unique movement, but when you make that movement, you will find it much easier to access the zone and to play to your potential. Okay, so we got our wires crossed there. Folks, happens even to the greats. <laughs> uh, I was talking about game time triggers. Brendan was talking about zone triggers. And being that we were talking about being in the zone, I probably should have been talking about zone triggers. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I, I really like that. I like the idea of training and training at home. It's mental performance. It's mental preparation, rehearsing, going back to those experiences you have where you know you had that that special sensation, call it flow, call it being in the zone. And when you feel that starting to reactivate, just using that unique trigger, as Brendan says, um, and then to continue, and you will exit and you can, you don't have to stay in that for a very long period of time. But if you continue to train that over the coming days, weeks and, and months, then, then you will get to the point where simply executing that physical trigger would definitely give you access to the zone much more easily, much more readily. Um, and that brings up that great sense of I've, I've got this as you're on the golf course. And then you could introduce the physical triggers as well to to enhance your focus on the golf course and, the, and, and performances. It's um, the body language is another very important part of this, uh, because anytime you're watching two players walk down a fairway, it's very easy to tell 
which one is in the zone and which one isn't, or which one is winning and which one is losing. You see it in the way they hold themselves in their gait. Now, what you need to do is to become more aware of what is your body language like when you're in that place, when you're in the flow and in the zone. And when you replicate that, just get yourself to walk that way, to hold your head the way you do, to move the way you do when you're in the zone. When you do that, you are getting yourself into the zone. And do that in addition to having the trigger will allow you to get into the state. And the state allows you to perform better and to play shots to your potential on a more regular basis. And I think that's a really important thing. Now, I'd like to maybe just take a break from that one for a second and just remember another time when you really felt good about yourself. And this may not be associated with golf or something else, but you felt something that you knew was special and you enjoyed the sensations. You enjoyed the state you were in. Again, if you can specifically go back to the detail and remember the detail around this, you will start to experience again some of the sensations that you felt at that time. If this is something that will enhance your performance, then by using the same anchor as you did for getting into the zone in golf, you will be able to experience both of those states at the same time. So you're effectively stacking anchors and stacking states here to allow you to perform better. Now, one thing I would say to you, is, and in fact, I'm going to say two things here. The first one is that you need to experiment a little bit with this to find out what states actually enhance your performance and stack those together. And the second thing you need to do is that you need to be able to control the level that you need to be at to perform at your best. Because overexcitement can be just as bad sometimes as underexcitement. And being in the state, the right state, the flow and the zone, etc., means you have pitched that at the level that works best for you. Now, the other thing I would say, and this is something that I think we mentioned in the last podcast as well, and that is that when you're on the last nine, the last day, or whatever it might be, and when you want to rehearse that, you can rehearse it mentally. You don't have to actually be there to create the patterns within the brain that will allow you to perform to your potential. You can actually practice it in your imagination. And that has the exact same impact of creating a, a sequence of, of brain movements or a pattern or a program within the brain that works equally as well as experiencing it yourself. And that's why we said earlier on that one of the things we want you to do is to practice in your imagination of going back to a time when you were in the zone, experiencing what it felt like at the time and firing that trigger and doing it again and again. Gareth, for you, how important was this mental rehearsal in terms of getting in the zone and performance? I think that's a great question. I was lucky enough to be involved in a multitude of sports from a from a you know very young age, and 
I would, if I wasn't able to get out to training, if I wasn't able to get out and play with my team or go to the golf course, I would be literally sitting in the house imagining scenarios where I would have a putt to win the U.S. Masters. Unfortunately, never happened. The U.S. Open, that also never happened, so on and so forth. But I was constantly envisaging scenarios. Uh, and indeed, not only was I envisaging my own performances, but I was envisaging those who I was battling against and, and you know, I would come out and, and win the golf tournament in the final hole with an amazing putt, whatever the case may be. But I was continually rehearsing and mentally preparing. Um, but I didn't know I was at that moment in time. I hadn't gone down the route of studying mental performance and, and all that goes with it. And I have subsequently spoken to many, many great athletes over a huge amount of different codes. And those that, that story comes up in, in very similar guise with all these people I talk to. And indeed, I do some work with businessmen. They've talked to me about sitting down and imagining finally signing off the deal that, that their, their company sells for X or for Y, whatever their their ultimate goal is. And, and they, they are utilizing mental rehearsal uh, and imagination to assist them in delivering the performances they have to in the pressure of a boardroom or a conference. So it's something, Brendan, that I've, I've come across. And yet it's something that's not really spoken about that much because it's considered a soft skill. Or the other element I would say is that people don't realize when they're doing those rehearsals, um, it has massive impact. I'm going to give you all a very, very simple example. If you've ever had uh, an, an issue with somebody, if you've ever been slighted by somebody and you start to rehearse the argument that you're going to have them with them the next time you see them, I can guarantee you, you will start to feel pretty strong emotions that go along with that argument. And the more you ramp up the argument in your head, the more those emotions will strengthen to the point of you're in a frenzy about to do some damage, right? Yeah, well, this is going back to what we said, that when you start thinking about something, that thinking creates your mood. It creates your uh, emotions and your emotions create the chemicals that are produced within your body. So whether they're positive or negative chemicals, they are determined by your mood. Garrett just reminded me there uh, when he was talking about not winning any kind of uh, significant golf championships. Yes. That, that, <laughs> that you, being in the zone is not the way to win it. It doesn't guarantee results. You still have to have the technical competence. You still have to have the flexibility and the strength within your muscles to be able to repeat the same things again. But what it does do is it differentiates between somebody who's hitting the average and somebody who's hitting it to their potential, to the best they can. So more of the shots are good for you. Yes, and it, it will certainly reduce the dispersion between your great days and your why did I bother going on the golf course today days. So you can you can certainly tighten up your dispersion and your 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 poor will get better and your best will stay where it is because really we're always trying to raise the the bottom end of the performance and maintain or or gain the, the small increments that we need to gain um in the in the upper end of things and that that to me is key. Um, I, I just feel like if this is something that almost everybody can do. There's one thing I want to touch upon here, folks. There is a thing called aphanastasia, whereby people are unable to generate imagery or movies in their mind at will. That's not to say you can't benefit from running, you know, like an auditory experience instead, or just just thinking about it. Perhaps you won't get the, the visuals that go along with it, but you can get the tingling in your body and you, the, 
the, um, the sensations in your body and you can still give yourself the auditory experience. So this is not unique to imagery. It is something that can work across all our senses. Yeah, I think it's different for everybody. And part of what we're trying to do here is to give you the opportunity of being more aware of what it means for you personally. Uh, and I think that is an important part. The other side of it is uh, I'm going to make a suggestion uh, to Garrett here that um, because there's a lot of technical stuff in what we're saying, that we should have some sort of material that people can refer to, whether that's a slideshow or whether it's a paper on this. In fact, a slideshow might be the, the best format so that people can uh, refer to it and maybe get a little bit more out of it as well. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think that Brennan has just put a gun quietly into my back and I can hear the, the trigger being activated. It was a knife, actually. <laughs> so I believe I've just been coerced into producing something for you in the Hunt listeners. And should that occur, I will make sure that I'll, I'll liaise with uh, Brian Bailey, Mark Sweeney. We, we can put that up somewhere that you can access that. Um, just to give you a template for perhaps bringing yourself through these experiences, deepening those experiences, uh, and, and indeed, you can use this in other areas in your life. I've used this in business. I've used this in sport. I've used this in relationships I have with people. Um, and it is something that I find extremely beneficial. Yeah. I think today we were just trying to give you an introduction. We were trying to uh, make you more aware of the fact that you can access states by just thinking about times when you were in them. And the more you know about and I use the term submodalities, which is kind of the detail of how I feel, how I see, how I think, how I hold myself, uh, the type of voices I hear, what sort of things they're saying, etc. The more awareness we have of those, the more we can use those to amplify the state. And uh, I think if people want to find out more about this, I think they should be getting some professional help and maybe contacting Garrett or whoever it might be and find out a little bit more about how they can get into the zone and access it when they want to at a level that works best for them. Definitely. The, the term I use when we talk about uh, submodalities, when I talk to my clients, you know, the in, being in the zone, if you like, is the meal, but we need to figure out what ingredients are involved in the meal for you. And then we need to figure out how much of each ingredient might be involved. And that will change as well, folks. It's not necessarily a, a singular situation sometimes if you're a little bit lethargic physically then you might need to ramp things up mentally as you're getting into the zone just make sure you can get to the best possible place you can on any given day um, you will have fluctuations in performance you will have fluctuations in how you feel physically and you will have of course mental fluctuations in terms of performance but we just want to give people the opportunity to experience things as you best can at any given moment and through that awareness and through a little bit of rehearsal and becoming, if you like, a neural detective, becoming a little bit more aware of what what occurs when I think this way or when I produce this, what was I thinking or what was the imagery in my mind if I'm producing it? What was I saying to myself? Uh, was I holding myself in a certain position? Was I breathing in a certain manner? These all give us that kind of recipe for your success and your unique ingredients. And then you can generate this little sort of um, suite of recipes that you can lean into when you most want to access the zone and produce performances. I'd like to kind of finish off by just um, asking a question. And the question fundamentally is, if you could get into the zone by design when you wanted to, 
what difference would that make to your performance? How would you answer that one, Garrett? I was just going to leave that hanging. Oh, okay. That's, <laughs> that's a good way to do it. I just to leave that hanging. Um, I mean, I, I would say the, 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 the difference to not just per sports performances, but life performances, it's incredible because you're not at the, the women mercy of any external trigger that, that can occur. And, you know, if there's one thing that's extremely triggering for people, it's other people, right? And, and when you play sport, you encounter other people and, you know, somebody walks up into a tee box and you're well positioned in a tournament. You go, oh, my God, not them. Here we go. This person takes nine hours to play golf. Uh, and, and that's an external trigger that has immediately pulled you out of the zone. But if you have the ability to recognize what has just happened, um, then you can internally generate an, uh, that, that in the zone sensation by, act, by triggering, sorry, or using your anchors. Uh, and that person hasn't been allowed to pull you away from producing a good performance. So it's to me, it's it's just it's an incredible skill to have. It's something I believe that we should be giving, you know, almost teaching children that our brain is something we can use in, in many different ways, but we haven't been trained to use it maybe to the best of its abilities. And just to be given that opportunity, I think is huge. Yeah, I think we can design it by choice. And um, for me, uh, I think uh, I'm going to make a, a simple statement here. Mood, our performance is mood dependent. That means that basically, if you've got the mood right, then your performance will follow. A lot of people concentrate on technical aspects and they spend hours trying to train on technical aspects. If everybody seems to think that the difference between the great players and the very talented players is all in the mind, why don't they train the mind? Why leave it to chance? Why not design the type of thinking, the type of mood, the type of state that you need to perform at your best? So I think I've answered my own question there. Again, I was going to leave that hanging. <laughs> okay, folks, it's coming up on 38, 40 minutes. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. As I said, this is one of several. We, do, we, we love this stuff. We've gone deep into it. We will go deeper again next time. If you have any questions, remember to email them into us at In The Hunt Game Forge, or you can email me direct, garethmcshay at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Brain Juice. Brendan McCarthy, thank you once again for being on. And we look forward to talking to you all again soon. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure.